Hi, friends, it's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. Good morning, Los Angeles, and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Warriors Show. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Clapper. I'm an orthopedic surgeon at Cedars Sinai for 31 years. I'm so excited for today's show. My guest at 8:15 is a COVID-19 expert. He's going to teach us all about the vaccine coming down the pike from Pfizer. What exactly is a vaccine? You're going to need some clapper vision to understand not only what a vaccine is, but why is this vaccine, this new one from Pfizer, so special? and safe it's because it's not actually using the virus it's kind of like the motor oil you get you need new oil for your car they'll say would you like synthetic motor oil yeah it's not the same as the oil that comes out of the ground it's synthetic it's man-made this vaccine uses an idea called messenger rna to build a protein instead of putting a live virus into your body. And we'll get into it. His name is Dr. Michael Ben-Aderet, and he's calling in at 8.15. And I've got a great clap revision for you for the COVID-19 vaccine. Let me just do it right now before we get started. Let's say the burglar that's trying to get into your house is the virus. It's COVID-19. When you make a vaccine to keep the burglar out of your house, you go and you buy a pit bull, a live pit bull. Here's the problem. The pit bull will actually keep the burglar away, but that pit bull could also bite you, which has been (laughs) reported. Some of those dogs are so mean, they bite the owner as much as they bite the burglar. But if you actually use a pit bull that has died, and you stuff the pit bull, and you get a tape recorder to make the sound of barking, you could keep the burglar away with a stuffed pit bull. And actually, that's the polio virus, a polio vaccine. It's made from a dead virus versus the Sabin polio vaccine. It's a live pit bull. That's how they make that vaccine, which is scary. Uh Uh-oh, maybe you can get the virus, which is actually not the case. But using a live virus versus a dead virus to make the vaccine, it's a live pit bull versus a stuffed animal pit bull in your house to keep the burglar away. But this new virus, the one that Pfizer's using, the one that you're hearing about, is made from mRNA. It's a synthetic virus. And it's as though you went to, what is that place called? Michael's, where you buy the fabric. You buy all the equipment, the pattern, to cut up and make what looks like a stuffed animal pit bull and play the tape recorder to keep the burglar away. You make the stuffed animal pit bull. That's what this new vaccine is going to be. So you don't have to worry that you're going to get the virus from this new vaccine. I hope that clapper vision helps. It made me think all week, though. As you know, I love the world of art, the world of sports, the world of surgery. The whole idea of a vaccine where you get a shot to prepare you to fight, to rev up your immune system so that you can do battle if you actually are exposed to the virus. This whole concept must take place in art, in sports, and in surgery. So I thought all week, where is it? Well, remember Phil Jackson? Phil Jackson will be the first guy to tell you that he didn't know how to coach. Jerry Krause, the general manager of the Chicago Bulls, realized that. So he hired the most successful college coach at the time to come to the Chicago Bulls to essentially coach the coaches and teach them the triangle offense that he developed in 1947. And his name was Tex Winter. Tex Winter was the genius behind preparing the team, preparing the offense to deal with the defense that awaited them. To some extent, he's creating a vaccine 
by creating the triangle offense. And I know that sounds confusing, but I want you to hear the sound bites from Phil Jackson and Tex Winter, and you'll understand what I'm talking about. But the more I got into this topic of Tex Winter essentially creating a vaccine in sports, what I learned also is the other coaches were jealous of him because he was not a head coach. He won nine rings, six with the Bulls and five with the Lakers as an assistant coach. You're an assistant coach. They're not letting you get into the Hall of Fame. Well, in 2011, Tex Winter got into the Hall of Fame finally. The problem is he had a massive stroke in 2009. So the shame of it all is, is he really never could appreciate it to the extent when he was compass mentis before the stroke. But Tex Winter also had a heart of gold. He traveled all over the world for free to, keep, to teach the game he loved of basketball. He was a true sweetheart, selfless, but a passion for the game of basketball. As you learn more about Tex Winter, you're gonna appreciate the other person I wanna talk about this Saturday for today's show, which is my hero, the great Dr. Jonas Salk, a doctor who was an artist who actually rid the world of polio. He created the polio vaccine that saved millions and millions of children because that virus went after kids, not like this coronavirus. But just like Tex Winter, an artist in his field, Jonas Salk was not awarded the Nobel Prize. You're gonna hear some sound bites of how the other doctors were jealous of him, envious, just like they were of Tex Winter. But you're also gonna hear of the beautiful person that Jonas Salk was. Because when he's asked, why didn't you patent your vaccine? You would have made millions of dollars. He looked at the interview and said, what are you crazy? I'm a doctor. I made this vaccine for the people. I didn't make it to make money. A beautiful person. In fact, let's get right into it. I want you to hear the soundbite, and it's a quick one, of Edward R. Murrow. He's the Walter Cronkite. He's the most famous newscaster of his day, interviewing Jonas Salk after April 12, 1955, that the polio vaccine is being released. Just like this week, we're going to be releasing the vaccine for coronavirus. And Edward R. Murrow asked Jonas Salk, did you patent this? Steve Paulette, let's listen to number one of Jonas Salk. Who owns the patent on this vaccine? Well, the, the people, I, I would say, there is no patent. This is, could you patent the sun? <laughs> could you patent the sun? And then he starts to laugh in the face of the newscaster. Don't ask me about money. This is about saving children's lives. Tex Winter traveling to the Philippines, traveling all over the world to teach basketball. Don't ask me about money. But still, that fame that Tex Winter got, that success that Jonas Salk had, made his peers jealous. The stories of these two men is exactly the same to me. Let's learn more about my hero, who, by the way, spent some time in Far Rockaway, Queens, where I'm from which ultimately my mother used to talk about Jonas Salk all the time. She even said he went to my high school, but it turns out he didn't. But he spent quite a bit of his time in Queens, in Far Rockaway, growing up. Let's go to number two. Jonas was a big thinker and wanted a place where big thinking could be done. He was a dreamer and he knew that you have to dream to create something new. He's a dreamer, he's an artist. I told you, I love the world of sports, the world of art, the world of surgery and medicine. Jonas Salk was an artist who came to medicine and ultimately built the institution in San Diego that helped discover the cure for HIV and he's just a dreamer, an artist. Listen to what he saw 
as success, not the amount of money he made, but this is a great story of him meeting a young boy. And as he's introduced to the young boy, the guy says, this is Dr. Jonas Salk. He cured polio. He made the polio vaccine. And the little boy looks at him and goes, what's polio? This made Jonas Salk so happy because it meant a little child doesn't have to live in fear. He doesn't even know what polio is anymore. Number two. There was a relatively young boy with him. I would say he was 12 or 13, I suspect. This is Dr. Jonas Salk. He cured polio. And the little boy looked at him and said, what is polio? And Jonas was beaming because he felt he has finally achieved it because this kid doesn't even know the disease polio. That was his goal and he achieved it. You want things in life that are priceless. That is priceless. Number four. I think Jonas realized that his discovery wasn't only important in terms of public health, but that it was important to remove a sense of fear from people. And that might have been the biggest effect. He was perfectly conscious of the significance of this vaccine. And indeed, Jonas never obtained the return monies uh, from the, uh, the sale of the vaccine. Not a single thing. He was not interested in the money. Next. One has to admire his single-mindedness in, in developing a polio vaccine against a lot of people who would, who would doubt us and said it couldn't be done this way. And once he'd done that, I think he felt, you know, he needed to do something else with his life, um, help humanity in a different way. He was free-thinking. He was an exceptionally creative man. And he had this notion of a distinction between people who were evolvers and people who were maintainers of the status quo. And he really wanted to populate the Institute with creative people who were evolvers. That's exactly right. He's an artist. And there's a saying at the Jonas Salk Institute. Listen to this researcher talk about what she sees every day when she goes to, war, goes to work. The words of Jonas Salk. Number six. Hope lies in dreams, in imagination, and in the courage of those who dare to turn dreams into reality. I see that quote from Jonas Salk every day when I walk through the courtyard, and it really reminds me of why I came to the Salk Institute to do my research. There are no boundaries, and that's really how great discoveries are made. So in this time, we're talking about the vaccine. This is the greatest vaccine the polio vaccine, created and invented by one man, Jonas Salk. Number seven. When Jonas Salk developed the polio vaccine, the Salk vaccine against crippling polio proved to be a sensational success. He famously opposed the idea of patenting and profiting off the discovery. They weren't in this for making money. It just didn't interest him. Today, patents and profits have become central to the development of innovative drugs. Without patents, companies wouldn't have the incentive to bring a medicine to market. Yeah, well, he was a different kind of guy. He was selfless, number eight. When the polio vaccine was rolled out in 1955, Dr. Jonas Salk, the scientist who developed the drug with funding from the March of Dimes, became an overnight celebrity. And the entire world heralded the discovery which assured an end to one of mankind's most dread diseases. Now I want you to hear that soundbite again and listen to Jonas Salk's son talk about analyzing his dad's face <laughs> when you look at that excerpt of the interview. Number nine. Following that, um, Ed Murrow, who had a television program, interviewed my father, and one of the questions she asked was, who owns the patent on this vaccine? Well, the people, I, I would say, there is no patent. If you look at the original tape of that interview. There's a moment where there's sort of a little bit of, uh, of pausing. And he thought for a moment, and then you could see the expression on his face just, just light up. He said, could you patent the sun? <laughs> he just saw this as, a, you know, this was just a, a natural evolution of science. The results belong to, to the people. But now I want you to listen what happens when you do well, and the peers around you are jealous. Number 10. 
On April 12, 1955, when Jonas Salk's vaccine was shown to uh, be effective in a large trial, he, he did become this international hero. And I would say that the prevention of polio uh, probably is one of the most important um, achievements in medical history. Um, the interesting thing is, is that this wasn't done uh, by a pharmaceutical firm or research institute, but by a, a single man. Number 11. Just with his research associates. So that was quite incredible. So it surprised me that while heads of states around the country, around the world actually, rushed to honor him, that the scientific community uh, remained uh, ominously quiet um, and that their rebuke really cast a shadow over his achievements. Uh, Basil O'Connor, uh, as I said, the powerful director of the National Foundation for Infantile Paralysis, said that the scientists acted as if uh, Salk had halitosis or had uh, committed a felony. Can you imagine how jealous they were? Number 12. It started out that Salk, of course, was, was quite junior and wasn't a member of the scientific brotherhood. Um, and in, he had made this vaccine uh, and tested it really in secret, almost behind their back. At the same time, challenging what was uh, a closely held principle at that time that only a vaccine made with a live virus could prevent a disease for a lifetime, as, as smallpox had. And Jonas Salk made his uh, from a killed vaccine. He was an artist to even think out of the box, to even come up with that idea. Number 13. Jonas Salk reached out to the public, as, as few scientists, maybe with the exception of Pasteur, uh, ever had. And uh, in that, uh, he had kind of crossed that imaginary line of uh, proper academic behavior and um, was uh, accused of kind of uh, pandering to the press, uh, soliciting uh, media attention. Although nominated never many times, he never received a, um, uh, the Nobel Prize. He didn't care, though, although it probably did hurt him. And finally, number 14. One of his friends said, well, look, when he made that vaccine and all the success that followed, uh, he probably received more celebrity than uh, most physician scientists in the history of medicine. So don't discount envy. That envy is fierce uh, in the world of science. But Saul did contribute to it a little bit himself. Um, he had a very unconventional approach to science, talked about intuition, and used a lot of metaphors. Uh, he was unconventional, but his prize was ridding the world of polio with his vaccine. The vaccine is to have your immune system fight the actual virus without seeing the actual virus. Tex Winter barely got into the Hall of Fame. Tex Winter had a love for the game of basketball, like Jonas Salk had a love for humanity. Two selfless individuals. Sounds crazy, but coming up next, you're going to understand why I'm talking about Tex Winter and Jonas Salk in the same way. To some extent, they're the same guy, one in sports, one in science, but both bring the world of art to their fields. We'll get into it coming up next on the Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Didn't you get the memo? Quickly hear Clapper's crazy kitchen stories. Easily find different callers' aches and pain issues. Right, I get it. Search Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Who are you again? Voila! Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. At 42 years old, you know what your new nickname is for me? <laughs> Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. You're not Matthew from Santa Monica anymore. You're Mr. Priyam. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Nice. 
A double shot. That's why Steve Follett is playing the swinging medallions. It's a double shot. Just like getting the vaccine. You're going to be getting a shot to fight the coronavirus. What is a vaccine? A vaccine essentially prepares your body for the virus, to fight the virus. Preparation. Being creative, being an artist. In sports, who created a vaccine? Who created the situation of preparation to fight the other team? The greatest was Tex Winter. I want you to listen to Phil Jackson talking about, and then later you'll hear some sound bites from Tex Winter himself. And it's just like Jonas Salk creating that virus, that vaccine to fight the polio virus. You'll understand what I'm talking about. Let's go to number one. What have you learned from him more than anything else? Uh, you know, how to develop an offense from skill drills um, is probably the best thing that <clears throat> Tex taught, that um, basketball starts with uh, being able to learn how to pick up the basketball and pivot. And from there you move into passing and then the other things that become more complicated. But you have to start from very basic beginning with basketball. And the more success Phil Jackson got and the more credit he gave to Tex Winter, <clears throat> the more jealous the other coaches became of this assistant coach. But Phil Jackson did not back down. And he would point out, to hell with you other guys. Tex Winter's the real deal. Number two. The um, idea that an assistant coach would be in a Hall of Fame kind of graded at some people that uh, it was made up for head coaches or general managers or uh, people that had played uh, the game itself in a great nature. <clears throat> but Tex um, was the winningest basketball coach in college when he went into the pros with the Houston Rockets. Number three. And he had been a head coach uh, in so many different realms and so many different arenas. Um, not only in the Big Ten, but, you know, the Big Eight, and then also out here with Long Beach before he retired as an active college coach. That uh, to be hired on as a, a coach to the coaches was what Jerry Krause uh, wanted to do for him. Uh, seemed kind of like an unusual position. And he was shuttled and shunted around in the Bulls organization a little bit during different realms of coaches between um, Stan Allback and, and Doug Collins. And here's the most amazing part. Listen to this soundbite where Phil Jackson says, I don't know how to coach. I learned how to be a coach from Tex Winter because of how he prepared us and created a system. This is just amazing. Number four. We had a relationship that went very deep, uh, Tex and I, uh, simply because I wasn't a very good coach and didn't have a lot of knowledge, and he had a lot of knowledge. He and Johnny Bach, both his contemporary, who were my assistants, uh, co-assistants when I was on that bull staff, kind of educated me about uh, the different formats of basketball. And then Tex uh, spent two summers with me teaching me how to develop all the drills that I've used all these years as, as skill drills to develop the system that he's taught. His passion for the game of basketball was what it was all about. It wasn't about the money or even the fame. Let's listen to number five. In that system, Tex was, in that aspect, Tex was willing to go anywhere in the world to teach the offense or teach basketball. And his giving to the game itself, I think, is a, something that's a, a great benefit to a lot of people. I mean, people in the Philippines and New Zealand and Iceland and, you know, around the world remember, you know, his tour and his, his time that he'll spend freely and givingly without really remuneration to just promote the game of basketball and particularly his style of it. He did it for free. He did it not to be paid. He was selfless. Let's listen to the soundbite again of Jonas Salk. Would you pat in the sun? This is Tex Winter. Number one. Who owns the patent on this vaccine? Well, the, the people, I, I would say, there is no patent. This is, could you patent the sun? <laughs> That's Tex Winter with basketball. I'm going all over the world to teach people this beautiful game. Let's learn more from Phil Jackson about why this came about. Why was it so successful? This whole idea of the triangle offense, an offense design to beat 
the unbeatable defenses that exist. Number seven. In the process of coaching the Bulls at that particular time, uh, Doug was completely often befuddled by the fact that we had no real great point guard to contest with Isaiah Thomas. Not too many people did. But um, Tex kept encouraging him that a system offense would be able to play without having one specific ball carrier, floor leader on the floor, and uh, tried to you know, convince Doug into running the system. The system, which is the triangle offense, number eight. Having inherited that team and knowing that you know, we, we had a, a guard named John Paxson who was just really a terrific player, a good leader, but not particularly a point guard. It was very easy to adopt that system of offense and you know, use it in a variety of ways in which we still continue to do. In which a guy like you know, Derek Fisher shares the point guard responsibilities with so many different people, with Brian, with uh, Odom, and so forth. You know? So it's, it's a shared opportunity, which is kind of a lost art in our game. Jonas Salk never got nominated for the Nobel Prize. His peers hated him, jealous of him. But he didn't care because he followed the truth to take care of humanity. Tex Winter didn't care either. He had no filter. If he thought you weren't doing the right thing, he was going to let you know he didn't even care if you were Michael Jordan. Number nine. Yeah, we used to say there wasn't much of a governor on, on Tex. He just spoke what his mind, uh, you know, impulsively told him to say. And, and you know, he was like the, you know, the mind of the basketball gods. If you, if you played against the rules of the game, he was going to, you know, comment to you or comment to me when hopes that I would comment to the players later on. So, you know, he, he got frustrated with players at times, uh, you know, a Michael Jordan who he said couldn't pass the ball right and, you know, Shaq who wouldn't take coaching very easily and Kobe who over-penetrated or handled the ball too long so the offense didn't run right. So every star that I've ever had on a team, except Scottie Pippen, basically, he's had, he had trouble with parts of their game. Bringing an artist to the field, whatever it is that you do for a living. You could be Vince Laportio, a plumber. Believe me, that guy's an artist in the world of plumbing. I'm a surgeon. That's why I have patents, creatively thinking of ways to do things better. I want you to hear Tex Winner's voice. I want you to hear how this artist in the world of sports recognizes the science of basketball from his mentor, Fog Allen, number 10. You'd have to say that, in my mind at least, that Fog Allen was really sort of the father of basketball coaches. Uh, he's the, the guy initially who really kind of tried to make a, a, a science out of it and uh, developed plays and uh, talked about strategies and talked about winning and losing. <laughs> then Fog, in his very last game, was played in the last game that he coached, was played in Fog Allen Fieldhouse against my K-State team, and we beat him for the conference championship. And that was his last game. I always, in some ways, felt a little bad about, little badly about that. And finally, number 13. Hank Iba uh, at Oklahoma State, you couldn't drive the lane on them. They, 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 they collapsed to the extent that, uh, and if you, tried to, if you tried to penetrate from the wing, with the, with the basketball, uh, you're going to run over a lot of people, a lot of players. Uh, they just wouldn't let you penetrate on that. So what I did out of the triangle, I developed the concept because they're dropping off the wing and giving you an opportunity to start your penetration, and then they, then they close in from the weak side, it's fanning the top of the circle guard away, like you're seeing today all the time, fanning them away, and, uh, and then when they, when they help, actually they're vulnerable to the, to the pitch and the shot. And uh, we, I had, we had to develop that particular series of options uh, in order to combat uh, the way Hank Iba played his defense. And that's kind of how a lot of things in the triangle offense evolved, is reacting to defenses. Just to simplify it, the triangle means of the five players, you're using three of them that are active. One player goes to the top of the key, one player goes into the corner, and then you have that third player off to the side, and the triangle just keeps rotating. And here's a clapper vision. It's almost like a key that you use to open a door. You know, the teeth that are on the key, you change. That's why different locks and different keys own different, open different locks. You change the key 
slightly, those three players change them slightly, and you can unlock the defense. Clapper. It's the same thing in soccer. It's the same thing in the triangle offense in basketball. The genius behind it is Tex Winter. The genius behind creating a vaccine, not from a live virus, from a dead virus, which people thought was insane to do, was Jonas Salk. The fame, the credit, his peers were so jealous of him. But it didn't matter because Jonas Salk accomplished what he wanted. He rid the world of polio with his vaccine. Tex Winter created the greatest way to play the beautiful game of basketball. He made a vaccine called the Triangle Offense. Coming up next, I'll take your calls. The clinic will be open. I want to take you into the operating room. What an interesting case I saw this week in a young man who lost the cartilage in his hip because of a drug he took. I'll get into it. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Holy emoji, clap man. Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Holy slip disc. That's right, Robin. Hear listeners talk about their aches and pains. Holy hamstrings. Along with Doc's clapper vision. Breathe deeply. And advice to callers. On your toes, Robin. So like, follow, and enjoy. A wise decision. The Weekend Wear Facebook page. Frankly, I can think of nothing more stimulating. This is Keyshawn in the morning. My man, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show starts your Saturday morning. Join the Doc from 7 to 9 a.m. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. All right. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I have a Beatles wig on. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. I took my troubles down to Madam Rue. <coughs> you know that gypsy with the gold cap, too. She's got a pad down a pretty fourth and vine. Sell a little bottles of Another medicine to think about, another vaccine. Love potion number nine. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. So excited to be here each and every Saturday with you, and thanks for telling your friends and your family. You may have to wait a little bit to get into my office, but man, do I love seeing you guys when you come to see me. It's just the greatest. But get ready, I'm going to ask you the same question every time I meet you. What's your favorite story that I've told on the radio? <laughs> the number is 877-710-ESPN. Let's go to Ross in Seal Beach. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Hey, good morning, Dr. Clapper. This is just a report from the referral you gave me to see Dr. Michael Stone. Oh, good. Good. Love it, Ross. And Well, it, it is very good. I mean, wonderful man, knowledgeable doctor, that's for sure. Um, yes. Found out that uh, my left elbow is bone on bone. That's where my problems have been coming from. Uh, we discussed a few things. Surgery was one of them, but even though he specializes in nothing but shoulders and elbows, he recommended against it. Told me that uh, even at 67, I was too young and too active to have it done. Um, that elbow surgery takes quite a while to recover from. And even though after it'd be done, I'd be pain-free, I probably couldn't lift more than five pounds with that elbow. Right. So, so we went into it... another option that we discussed, which was, you know, pain treatment, um, mm. obviously uh, involving cortisone. No. But at this point, with no tissue in the elbow, the benefits outweigh the bad. Mm-hmm. So he injected my elbow, this was this past Monday, with the cortisone. Mm -hmm. And for the first time, I'm going to say probably in two years, I was able to dry myself off after showering, pain-free. And last night, for I'm going to say at least two years, I was actually able to do a push-up. Okay, so you need to realize that that cortisone is a numbing effect and decreasing the inflammation 
but it also is going to be there to work on the good tissues as well. So take advantage of the fact that you temporarily feel relief. But if you now start rocking and rolling on it by doing push-ups, you're going to go back to square one and maybe even worse if you keep doing that. If you want the benefit of that shot to last the longest, you need to leave it alone and enjoy your life. It's a different joint than a knee, a hip, or even a shoulder. So don't be testing it. Enjoy that it feels good, but I will tell you this, it's only temporary. Um, in the mixed martial arts fighter, Anderson Silva, and I can say this uh, because he called in with his trainer and um, manager many years ago to the show, so it's not like I'm violating a HIPAA law, to talk about the elbow surgery that I did to him. I arthroscoped his elbow and removed a bunch of loose fragments in his elbow, and he was able to return to fighting and actually won three more championships. Um, sometimes an arthroscopy in an elbow, which is not a weight-bearing joint, can give you some relief. In the cases where I've done elbow replacements, pretty much it's only been for patients with rheumatoid arthritis, where the disease is so crippling, um, but they're not going to be lifting heavy weights. They're not going to be doing push-ups. We really have not mastered the elbow replacement like we have in hips and knees, where you can really return to super amount of activities. Um, it's done for pain relief. So that advice is correct. It doesn't sound like you're the right person to be putting uh, a new joint in because I'd be fearful that you will loosen it and create more trouble. You're just too young and active at this point for an implant. But I will caution you, take it easy. Don't be testing it by doing push-ups. Just enjoy the ride for what it is. And maybe you'd be a candidate for an arthroscopy. And thanks so much, Ross, for checking back in with us. Appreciate it. All right, Warriors, the number is 877-710-ESPN. This week in the office, one of the most interesting cases that I saw was of a young man who came to me, believe it or not, for knee pain. He was complaining about pain at his kneecap and in his patella tendon below the knee. He had a, someone else had ordered an MRI, an X-ray, and he has the most normal-looking knee there is. So you always have to ask yourself, can knee pain come from someplace else? Do you ever see someone complaining of knee pain and it comes from their back or it comes from someplace else? So I examined his knee, full range of motion. It was stable. I couldn't really elicit tenderness where he was pointing to where the pain was. But in doing the exam with him lying down on the exam table, feeling his other knee, which was a good knee, also full range of motion, stable, it was his good knee. And then I felt his left hip, the other hip, full range of motion, no pain. But just to be thorough, I now, with him lying down, examine his right hip, the hip above the knee that was hurting him where he was complaining of pain below the kneecap. And in doing that exam, he had a little bit less motion in flexing his hip. And particularly when I went to rotate his hip to try to cross his legs or the other way called internal rotation, he grimaced in pain. And I said, that's interesting. And I decided, you know what? While I have you here, I'm gonna take an X-ray of your pelvis. I'm gonna look at your hips. And sure enough, it's a digital X-ray. It's not like I have to wait for the chemicals anymore to come back. But the pelvis X-ray came back, and what do you think I saw? He had no cartilage in his right hip. And when you, there's a book I wrote with Linda Yui called Heal Your Hips. Page 50 of this book, there's a drawing that you'll see of your quadriceps muscle. Those are the muscles in front of your thigh that attach to your kneecap, your patella, which attaches to your patella tendon. But look carefully at the drawing on page 50 in the book, Heal Your Hips, that I wrote with Linda Yui. 
And you'll see that the origin of the quadriceps muscle, particularly one muscle called the rectus femoris muscle, the most powerful muscle of the four muscles that make up your quadriceps. By the way, that's why it's called quadriceps, because a quad means four. Sep in Latin means head. This is a four-headed muscle. But the most powerful of the four-headed muscle in the front of your thigh that lets you straighten your knee is the rectus femoris muscle. And the top of that muscle originates from the front of the hip capsule. So guess what? This young man is in his late 30s. He's having knee pain, enough that people want to give him shots. They want to do surgery on his knee. They're not going to find anything because his knee is not causing his knee pain. It's the fact that he has no more cartilage in his right hip is what's causing his knee pain. Fascinating. But you have to be a bit of a detective. And you have to not tell yourself stories as a doctor trying to make a diagnosis. You've got to explain the anatomy, the history, the physical. It all needs to make sense. I hate giving people pills. I hate shots. Yes, I love being a surgeon. But more importantly, I love making the correct diagnosis and trying to be holistic. In this case, get in the pool. Buy some time if you can. But for sure, this young man is going to end up benefiting from hip surgery. He doesn't need it immediately. But it was an amazing feeling for me to actually figure out exactly what the reason was for his knee pain and that it came from his hip. We'll get into more stories. And I also want to talk to you about food because one of my favorite comfort foods, particularly with it being cold, oh, the ocean has been so cold and the waves have been so gigantic. But the greatest thing you can have on a cold, chilling day is chicken pot pie. And I discovered the greatest chicken pot pie I've ever had. It's here in Los Angeles, and it's actually in Thousand Oaks. And I'm going to tell you where you can get it. The restaurant doesn't have people indoors, but you can order it like I did and then pick it up and take it home. Oh, my God. And I put some tapatia sauce on top of it. The reason the chicken pot pie was so good was because of the creaminess. The carrots were huge. The potatoes were huge. The mushrooms were huge. The, the white meat only chicken was huge. The puff pastry on top. It's not cheap. I'm not sending you to something that's going to be cheap. But the greatest chicken pot pie I've ever had in my life I had this week. And I'll tell you where it's from. Coming up next on the Weekend Warriors Show here on 710 ESPN. You know that gypsy with the gold cap too. She's got a pad down a pretty fourth and vine. Selling little bottles of love potion number nine. Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Didn't you get the memo? Quickly here, Clapper's crazy kitchen stories. Easily find different callers' aches and pain issues. Right, I get it. Search Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Who are you again? Voila! Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show, presented by Cedar Sinai. What's going on, LA? This is Kobe Bryant. He's infectious, and I can say that because I'm a doctor. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Roberto Clapperio. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Dolly Parton wrote that song about a true event in her life. But that's not who's singing that song. Who's singing that song is Miley Cyrus. And her name rhymes with virus. 
which is why we're playing it, because this show is all about the COVID-19 coronavirus. I don't want to call her Miley, Miley Virus, but Miley Cyrus sings that Jolene song better, in my opinion, than even Dolly Parton, who wrote it. That girl is so talented. Mm, incredible. All right, this week, I've been surfing. Well, actually, Monday I surfed. And I surf at the end of the day. Sunday mornings, I surf before the sun comes up. And Mondays in the afternoon, I go as the sun goes down. And it is freezing. Freezing cold. But a swell has come. And it's a big one. You've noticed the Santa Ana winds? Well, that brings gigantic waves to the ocean. But those winds on the ocean and the freezing cold water make it intimidating to say the least. If you go on Twitter, at Dr. Robert Clapper, you'll see a picture of these giant waves with the spray flying 10 feet in the air. And you'll see a single surfer, because nobody else was in the ocean. (laughs) It was just me because the howling winds, and I mean howling. You carry your surfboard and you're like a giant airplane wing in the parking lot, you'll go flying. So I've got a surfboard that I brought back from Honolulu, from Waikiki, that's 11 feet long and weighs 50 pounds. It's so heavy, I had the shaper put a handle inside the board so that I could fit my fingers into the board and carry it because your arm can't wrap around that board it's just too fat too thick and it weighs 50 pounds so that when that howling wind comes it's like i'm driving a lincoln continental that car from entourage in the water but it was difficult getting it out of my truck and down the staircase into the water with the howling winds but i did not a single other person in the water. It's around 3.30 in the afternoon. And I paddled out. Smash into the waves and the spray. Smash into the wave and the spray as I'm pounding through these waves. Because I figured there's substance. There's something. There's a swell in this water. And if any board can ride this wave, this board can And for a little over an hour, it was just awesome. The rawness of nature, the bone chilling water, the spray, crouching down as I caught the wave and riding the face of the ocean. It was incredible. Now I'm in the parking lot after my session, taking my wetsuit off with people walking by with winter jackets and hats and gloves on (laughs) My bare skin is exposed. And when I got back into my truck, I said, I got to get something, whether it's hot soup or something hot for dinner. And for me, the greatest comfort food when you're freezing is chicken pot pie. And I noticed the week before as I told you about the strawberry milkshake that I love from Shake Shack in Thousand Oaks. Well, guess what is next door to the Shake Shack? It's a restaurant that I've been eating at for 35 years in Beverly Hills because it's near Cedar sinai where I work called The Grill on the Alley because this restaurant is on an alley. They have the greatest chicken pot pie I've ever eaten. Who knew that in Thousand Oaks, they have a satellite restaurant of the grill on the alley next to the Shake Shack. Took out my phone and I called the restaurant. And you can order the chicken pot pie. You can't eat inside the restaurant, obviously. It's closed. But I ordered it to pick up. They said, sure, we'll make it for you. You can pick it up. Oh, my God. And I picked up. My mouth is watering already. I can't even speak. A to-go chicken pot pie. And it's not cheap. 
It's expensive. But you know what? You're not spending any money now anyway because everything's closed. Go get the chicken pot pie from the grill on the alley. Heat it up. It has this pastry puff topping. And I take a whole bottle practically of Tapatio and I pour it on top of that puff pastry so that when you take your fork and puncture through the puff pastry top and that white, it's not brown, it's not oily, it's pure butter and cream. It's white. The inside of the chicken pot oozes out of the top. It mixes with the tapatio that you put on the puff pastry. And you now take a mouthful of that hot sauce with the hot, creamy inside of that chicken pot pie. And man, it's like you died and went to heaven. And, and it, loving it. <laughs> and loving it. Maxwell Smart. It's the greatest thing to eat when you're cold, that's for sure. Chicken pot pie, grill on the alley. Tell them Dr. Clapper sent you. <laughs> you don't even have to tell them that. They ain't paying me to say this, that's for sure. I really want to get into the big topic. My guest at 8.15 is Dr. Michael Benaderet from Cedars, who's an expert in epidemiology, the coronavirus, and I want him to teach us all about the vaccine and what we're going to do to combat this pandemic. That's his field. And all week long, I thought about I need to somehow showcase how a vaccine works, how fighting the virus works. And one of the biggest heroes in my life was Jonas Salk, who single-handedly destroyed the polio pandemic that ruined so many children's lives. And he did it himself. But where in sports is the Jonas Salk? the person who took on a field and changed it for the rest of us. But like Jonas Salk, the jealousy of his peers didn't matter. He did it anyway. Tex Winter, Phil Jackson gets all the credit. He gets the 11 rings, but nine of those 11 rings sitting right next to him on the bench by his side is the coach's coach, the great Tex Winter. We'll get into it. I'll tell you stories. The sound bites will amaze you. The great Dr. Jonas Salk and Tex Winter, the whole idea of a vaccine. And at 8.15, my guest, Dr. Michael Benaderet. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Get smart. Just what are you getting at? Check out the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Like this. Medical advice from Cedar sinai head of orthopedic surgery. Are you kidding? With a far rockaway attitude and a little drizzle of mozzarella. Well, it's important to me. Search Weekend Warrior in the space bar. Like this. And click on Doc's picture. I see. Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. 